Shalom, and welcome to From Sunday to Sabbath, a weekly podcast helping others discover the life they were created to live. I'm your host, Pastor Mike Scan, Senior Pastor of Epic Life Church in Terrell, Texas. We were once a Sunday church, now we gather on the Shabbat, the Sabbath. Join us on this journey and discover the truth of God's Word for living today. Welcome back to our podcast from Sunday to Sabbath. My name is Mike Scan. I am the senior pastor of Epic Life Church in Terrell, Texas. We were once a Sunday church, but have now switched over to the Sabbath. On this week's episode, we're share we're going to share this week's um, Sabbath service and the message from there. Uh, we're going back into the book of Peter. We've been there for about the last eight weeks as we dive into Peter's letter, First Peter chapter one, one through three. We're going to take a look at how on this world and the life that we live, we're called to look at things a little bit differently, and that how in this world, we're foreigners and we're ambassadors, and to enjoy this part one from this week's Sabbath service. Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Yes, I did request a little bit faster music this morning. Hallelujah. How many of y'all enjoyed that worship this morning, huh? Come on. You know, sometimes it's okay to just, you know, do it a little different. Amen? And just uh, just worship. Thank you. Uh, can we check the air? It seems a little stuffy in here to me. And I don't know if that's because I've been moving a lot doing worship. I see people fanning. Praise the Lord. Let's go ahead and do that. Uh, my, our Kids Nation, you guys are amazing, and we love you. Um, but we're going to love you from afar today, and so you guys are dismissed. All, right, all Kids Nation, you guys are go ahead and dismiss, kids. Uh, if you haven't checked in your kids, you can still do so. Hallelujah. Well, as many of you all know, I'm getting a little bit of feedback here. Um, as many of you all know, we've been working on this message called Peter. And, and I know what you're going to say. Pastor Mike, we want to talk about Peter, and that's good. But uh, we haven't, we haven't, uh, hang on here, let me get this thing right here. There we go. I'll log into this thing. There we go. So we've been spending several weeks in getting to know this guy named Peter, right? Some of y'all should be pretty familiar with him now, right? And so, uh, and I would like to talk more about Peter, but I think it's, uh, it's behooving to us to dive deep into the book of Peter today. And so we're actually going to start in his book and actually, um, instead of learning about him, let's talk, let's learn from him. And see some of the things. Now, I am not going to say that we're going to go really deep into, into, into Peter today. Uh, but we are at least going to start. Amen? And so if you have your Bibles, um, open with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. As we begin, um, this is going to be a really... this me- You know, there are times when you put a message together. And some of you have preached and, and you've done this and, and you know what I'm talking about here. Is sometimes it just comes. I mean, it's just like, boom, like, let it happen, right? But then other times, it can be extremely difficult. Um, writing a message isn't just, you know, uh, it takes roughly three to four days of, of just prayer and study and uh, making sure that uh, any speaker will tell you this, especially one that uh, wants the word to be from the Father. One of the things we pray every time we come up here before the platform, before we get up here, is, Lord, take out of me. Anything that is me, and, and let, let you shine and, 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 and go. And so that's my prayer today as we begin in this passage. Oh, yeah, i got to do this. I forgot. Hang on, hang on. You're down here. I'm like, why are you down here, brother? 
Praise the Lord. Have we tested this thing? Does it work? Yeah, we're finding out right there. Look at there. Praise the Lord. The right at first reader going right out the door. Peter, an emissary of Messiah Yeshua to the sojourners of the Dysphoria in Pontus, in Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithany, chosen. Now, I can stop right there. And, well, I'm going to. We're going to stop right there. And we're going to do some talking. Because there is a lot of meat in just that very first verse. Now, I know we kind of touched on that first verse, right? Like when we actually started this message, you can go actually go back to eight weeks ago. And eight weeks ago, we actually started this passage. And I think we got to Peter with an emissary. That was it. We're done. And then for the last eight weeks, uh, seven weeks, we've been exploring who this guy was, who Peter is. And right away, what we're going to see, and this is very important, not only do we get an introduction to Peter, but we see him give his credentials. Peter is basically what he's doing. He's saying that I'm not just here by my own fruition. I'm not just here because I had something less to do today. He has been sent here as an emissary from Messiah Yeshua. This is hugely important. He's telling us that he was sent by Jesus himself. This helps us to establish for us who he is and it's telling us who he's speaking to. And that's going to be paramount as we go into this message. Because if you don't know who he's talking to, the misunderstanding is, well, this doesn't apply to me then. Because it's not a letter written to Mike. It's not a letter written to Scott or to Dustin or someone else. This is a letter written to these other people, right, in the dysphoria. We're going to talk about that here in a minute. This letter does not just represent uh, good advice. This is not like, hey, you know, kind of the farmer's almanac of the summer of 2023, okay? Like, it's hot. This is more than that. This is... And, uh, this is not just advice, represent good advice, but a binding apostolic word for the church today. It is written to God's pilgrim people who are exiles in this world. And what Peter writes is not merely his personal opinion, but as an apostle, he's been commissioned by Messiah himself and writes God's words to the churches. And you need to catch this. He's writing to the church. Now, I know there will be some replacement theology that comes in. We're going to deal with that. We're going to give a better, get more clarity on how this fits for us today. This dysphoria uh, are those that were scattered out of Jerusalem to the Gentile nations or Israel. And especially used for those who trust and align themselves with God of Israel. And are not currently in the land of Israel. So really, it's just a really big Greek fancy word that means dispersion. They were dispersed. Why? Persecution. They were under severe persecution. It happened right after a huge event within Scripture. Anybody know what that event was? Some of you theologians. Who was it? Stephen. Stephen gets stoned, killed. This is where Paul comes in on the scene. This is early days, Right? So the dysphoria, this dispersion happens, and all of these Jewish believers, believers that are in Israel, are saying, we're out of here because of the persecution. I think Nero was the guy that was ruling this thing at the time, and not a good dude, okay? Quite literally, some of the stuff that they were doing, they literally lit up the streets of Jerusalem with the bodies of believers. They would set them on fire as a torch. Now let that sink in for a moment. These people were under severe persecution and so these men they fled they were scattered throughout asia these countries or these cities that we read are the cities um, of asia and turkey 
Now, for some of you who don't know that, um, these guys were living as foreigners in a country or countries or places that they didn't belong. Matter of fact, it was a country that was filled with paganism. But there's something else about this, too. When you look at the cities, who, do we, who else do we know that went to the same area? It was the Apostle Paul. That's right. He went to these same places. So this is not just people that were just lost. And, and these were people... Uh, this is why I think that some people say, well, this was written just to the Jewish people. And to that I would say amen. But then there are others that say, well, this was written to the Gentiles that are lost. And to that I would say amen. This was sent out to the believers that were lost, the nation of Israel. And we'll get to that, how that applies to us in just a minute. Now, I have spent some time in Turkey. Some of you all may not know that. I spent a year in Turkey. And I would never have guessed that this to be a place as the center of a movement, particularly Christianity. It is dominated by uh, Islam today, but in the first and second centuries, it was dominated by either, you were either paganism or you were a follower. You were a messiah in this, this, uh, in this time there. Predominantly now, it's Muslim country now, and at the time of the letter written by Peter, it was the center of paganism. This is a struggle that they're facing. Because think about this, they're, they're out by persecution from... Jerusalem and Israel, right? Only to get out to where? To a place filled with paganism. Not very popular. They were not very popular no matter where they went. So really, no matter where they went, they were a people without a home. They were people that had nowhere to go. Sound familiar? But why does this letter matter? Why does this matter in our conversation? Because if you look today in our country, looks pretty similar. We have people that are scattered away. The people are coming to the faith, right? They're coming to, to the knowledge not only of Torah, but, but who Messiah really is. And we're living in a country that is not our own. And that's what I want to hang on to for a while. We live in a culture much like then that is really becoming anti-Messiah. It's a culture that, you know, it's okay if you be a Christian, just don't try to force that on me. It's okay that you believe that, just don't make me believe that. It's okay that you do anything, just don't make us. But it's countercultural to the way the culture's communicating, isn't it? Because the culture wants you to believe exactly like them, accept them like them, and do whatever they do, and love them. But when you step up and start living the life that you're called to live, man, the tables get turned, don't they? So we're living in a culture that's much similar to that time. And Peter had the authority of a shepherd over his sheep. They were scattered from Jerusalem church as a result of the persecution that arose from the stoning of Stephen. You can find that in Acts chapter 6 um, and all the way through chapter 8. Now, for a time, the apostles themselves actually stayed in Jerusalem. And, you know, that's kind of where everybody was at. Uh, but the Jewish believers had been scattered out of Jerusalem, and we're now like sheep without a shepherd. And so Peter comes on the scene, and what Peter's going to do is he's going to try to rally these believers, rally them, find out what's going on, right? Now, knowing that Peter was sent to the Jewish people, this is what, remember, we started talking about Peter. We know that Peter was commissioned by Messiah himself. Remember, we talked about this, that we learned that Peter wasn't just going to be, uh, be the doorway, that, the key, right? Because the keys were given to Peter from Messiah to not just go to the Jewish people, but they went to the Samaritans. And as well, he really was 
the orchestrator of it coming to the Gentiles at first. And then we know that uh, Paul comes in and then Paul takes over that calling. Now, it would be easy again, as I said earlier, to adapt the idea that this was written, this Peter, First and Second Peter, was written only to those Jewish people. However, I will submit to you today that even if it was written to the Jewish people from Peter, I submit two things to you. Number one, these Jewish believers were in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bethany, which was dominant pagan cities, right? And there were Gentile believers there, not just the Jewish believers. But number two, knowing that they were in the, same, in the same Asia, Turkey that Paul was, we know that there were Gentile believers living in the land. We know that there were followers there. So to say, well, this is strictly to the Jewish people would be saying like the Bible is only to the Jewish people. And we know that's false, right? So the letter of Peter applies. Here's my, here's my point. The, the letter of Peter can apply to all of us, Jew and Gentile. The question then is, as I get to read this, we see it at the very first, is what is an apostle? And I'm going to say something, and, and I've told people this before, that when I find out that I'm teaching something that may be incorrect, then I will be the first guy to get up here and say I was incorrect. And with the apostle, I'm going to tell you that I used to believe, and some of you may still believe that, that the apostles are done away with. And for a season, that's what I believe, that there were no more, there's no such thing as apostles anymore. But then I started studying what it means to be an apostle. And that changed my mind. It's amazing what happens when you open your Bible and study, right? And so I begin to study this, what the apostle means. And so I've changed my position that there are apostles, and I hope you'll see why this is important today. The word apostle comes from the Greek word apostolos, and it means a delegate. It means an ambassador of the gospel, officially a commissioner of Christ, an apostle. Uh, it's not just that, but it's also an apostle who has, and I think they could have miraculous powers. But here's what really gets me in this definition from apostolos. It means messenger that has been sent. Now let me ask you a question. Who in the body of Christ today is called to be a messenger? Say it louder. Every one of us. See, every one of us have a story. Every one of us has a calling. Every one of us has a gift. Every one of us, therefore, has in some... Now, you may not operate directly inside that gifting, but you have the gift. See, you can be a pastor and not be in the position or the office of a pastor. You can be an evangelist and not be in the actual seat of an evangelist, but evangelize. You follow me? So this is the same thing here. We are all called to be messengers of the gospel in one way or another, either with your words or what we've talked about before, in what? In our actions, in the way we live. You're sending a message, whether you like it or not. You know, I tell people, man, the greatest, the greatest degreeer of anything is not saying anything. Let me say that again. It, the greatest agreer, the, most, the strongest person to agree to something is the person that says nothing about nothing. They, and I'm not saying about just jumping into opinions and jumping in stuff. But when you know something is wrong and you, you let it go, you don't say nothing. That's a message in and of itself, isn't it? And so just as Peter is an apostle, we too are. Ambassadors, messengers to a fallen world. And are called to live in a certain way until our Messiah returns. This is the way of Torah. This is what Torah really is all about. 
It's the way of our life. I love what was said this morning, is that the Torah is how we show God we love Him. It's the demonstration. God demonstrates His love towards us by freely giving us a gift. And then He says, now you receive this gift, and now our responsibility is to say, well, I love you, then I do the way of Torah. My life reveals and communicates a messenger that I'm to communicate with everyone. Giving light and hope to all who will come and experience that same mercy and grace that we have in Messiah Yeshua. This is the role of every follower of Christ. I've asked this before, and as we continue on today, I'd ask the message again, how are you doing in that area? How are we doing? Let me ask it this way. Does your family know that you're a follower of Christ? And I mean not know because you said, but because you lived. How about your neighbors? quiet. I don't know if it's because it's hot in here or you just... What about your co-workers? Young people, what about the students that you go to school with if you go to public school? Do the people around you know the message that you carry within you? Because if they don't, then there's, there's, there, your message has been skewed. Your message is foggy. See, you have a message that you need to deliver. Now, here's the thing and why I love this, because when you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 through 20, watch what it says. It's now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Messiah and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Messiah, God was reconciled the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has entrusted the message of reconciliation to us. Verse 20, we are therefore, what? We are therefore ambassadors for Messiah, as though God were making his appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Messiah, be reconciled to God. I tell this to people so often, man, it actually becomes an echo. And people, sometimes they just begin to block me out. Because the bottom line is, you are an ambassador. And you have a message that needs to be communicated. And what is that message? Be reconciled back to God. Now, we don't like that sometimes because it puts us in uncomfortable position. But look at what Peter, look at who Peter's talking to. Look at the persecution that they are faced with. They're faced with death. You will not probably face death in this world today in the way it is now. Now, there may be a time coming and it may be faster than we think. Right? That that time will be coming. That you may lose your life for standing up for the gospel. But today you won't. Then the question is, then what is, pre- what is preventing us from living a life as an ambassador of this world? I'm going to tell you why. Because we, we love the idea, and this is what I tell people, and, and, and hear me in a minute. We, love, we kind of have this romantic notion, not everybody, again, I get it, but this romantic notion, right, of the kingdom to come. We love that idea. But to actually live our life as if there is a kingdom coming that is greater than the world we live in, that's a whole nother ball of wax. That's a whole nother argument, isn't it? Because now, if we truly believe that, it means that I am an ambassador. An ambassador does not mean that they're from that country they live in. It means that they are from another country, bringing something to another country. An ambassador has freedoms and protections from the country that they are from. And certain rights, and actually some not rights, as a full-blooded citizen of that culture that they're in. Right? So they live in a country that they have no rights to. 
But they're doing what? They're a representation of another country. And that's what Corinthians tells us. Turn this page here. There we go. See, these believers in Messiah that, that Peter is talking to were in a pagan land. Not only that, but many of the Jewish brothers who were facing extreme persecution in Israel. We talked about that. They had fled. They had no home. These were chosen by God. Do you understand it said chosen? Now, that's a whole other thing we're going to go into here in just a moment. Because it's powerful, if you understand. Remember, the Bible says this. It says, no man cometh unto the Father except what? Except the Holy Spirit draweth them, Chosen. Now, this is not, that, and we're going to talk about here in a second, understanding the difference between foreknowledge and predestination. We'll talk about that here in just a moment. But these believers, they were in this pagan land. They were chosen by God. And it's important for the sake of arguments to determine who were these people that Peter's talking to. Well, Peter would do that. Paul did. And then he gives a description of, uh, of people found. Peter goes, look, you're chosen. And where's Peter getting this information from? How does Peter know that the people that are scattered are chosen? Well, because the Torah said so. Right? Everything goes back to Torah. Right? Let's look at Torah chapter 7, verse 6. Watch this. For you are a holy people to Adonai your God from all the peoples on the face of the earth. Adonai your God has what? Chosen, chosen you to be his treasure people. Now we can, you can kind of get lost in this because, well, Pastor Mike, that's the Jewish people. That's, that's, that's who he's talking to in the book of Deuteronomy. Problem! If you know your Bible, and if you've been reading Torah portions, and you know this is way back here in Deuteronomy 7, well, what we have to do is go, who ask the question, who is he being, who's being spoken to here? Who are these people that are the chosen people, separate from the whole rest of the world? Who is Yahweh talking to? Well, let's just go back to the Bible. Paul, I think that's a great idea. Let's just use the Bible. What is it? Read your Bible. Pray and repeat, right? So let's just go up a couple of verses and look at Deuteronomy 6.4. Uh-oh. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So is he talking to just the Jewish people? No, he's talking to Israel. Now we're putting ourselves into a different realm, aren't we? We're, we're, now we should, like, we should wake up here just a little bit. I know it's warm in here. I'm not sure. I guess they're working on it. I don't know what's wrong with the AC, but our AC apparently... Is not working today. Be up here in these lights. Praise the Lord. I'm sweating right now. I'm going to hire someone to be a, my, my fan person. No? Too much? Okay. So we're looking at the Shema. God's chosen are those of Israel. Paul reinforces this when he says that we have been grafted into Israel in the book of Acts. We're part of them. We know that in Ephesians, right? You can go all the way back to the book of Ephesians, right? Trying to establish something for us here for a minute. You're called to be an ambassador. You're chosen. In other words, just as Peter is talking to a group of people that are under great persecution, scattered among the world, or scattered in this particular place, in these different places, so are you. This applies to you. This is something you can take home and go, wait a minute. I'm a part of this. I'm a messenger. I'm an ambassador. I should be doing something. The whole book of 1 Peter and 2 Peter can be summed up in this. It is a way to live during persecution. And as a Christian today, you are going to be under some persecution. And listen, if you don't believe Torah, that's fine. Let me present it to you a different way. If you're going to actually live for Jesus and be on fire for him, you are going to be persecuted. 
Because when you start looking at Jesus and you start um, um, uh, carving your life to look like him and live like him, people will ostracize you. People will talk bad about you. People will call you holier than thou. People will look at you like, well, you didn't used to be that way. You didn't always like that. I remember when you used to do this. I remember you used to do that. Yeah, you're right. I, I, I did those things. People will think you're strange. And this is important because many will say Peter's speaking to the church and bringing replacement theology, this part here. But he's not. He's talking to all of those scattered. Although Peter is chosen to go to the, to the Jewish people, I believe these letters aren't just for them. I believe these letters are for all of those, Jew and Gentile. Because here's the thing, right? Where did the Gentiles worship? Even in these foreign places. They worship with the Jewish people. So that means that I believe that Gentiles were in, in earshot of listening to this letter. Even though some may believe that it's not. Then if you go the other realm, some people say, well, he's not writing to the Jewish people. He's not writing to the Gentile people. They'll flip a little word in here. They'll say, well, they're writing to the church. Well, that's replacement theology. Trying to take Israel and replace it with the church. And if that's you and you've grown up in that realm, I'm going to tell you today you're wrong. There is Israel, and Israel is the church. It's part of the church. It's, in, it's Jew and Gentile. Go to Ephesians. Go to Galatians, right? So Israel didn't, was not done away with. And when we understand that, we can get an understanding of who Peter's talking to. It absolutely wakes us up to the message of what Peter's writing and what he's saying. We have been grafted into Israel and therefore are the chosen or part of the chosen. And that's you and me. Continuing on into Peter. Now, according to the foreknowledge of God, you need to underline that, of God the Father, set apart by the Ruach for obedience and for sprinkling with the blood of Yeshua, the Messiah, may grace and shalom be multiplied to you. He's still just doing an introduction. All right? It's Pastor Mike giving you this longer version of what he's saying. Because I want us to have an understanding of what he's saying and who he's talking to. It's very important. So according to foreknowledge, now this is another word that gets really kind of bent out of shape. And we think about predestination. And there are people that quite literally, they believe that, that Jesus came and predestined certain people to be Christians and certain people to be not. And that is false. But there is a foreknowledge. Foreknowledge and predestination are completely different. And if you don't know the two, you can get wound up in this stuff and go, wait a minute. You know, like, like certain people are saved and certain people aren't. Well, who made the choice? Did God? Well, that doesn't show much grace now, does it? It doesn't. So then we got to ask the question, what is the difference between foreknowledge and predestination? Number one, foreknowledge does not only mean that God foresaw that they would be his elect aliens, his chosen. Foreknowledge should be understood in conventional terms, and the foreknown are those upon whom God has bestowed his covenantal favor and affection. So foreknowledge is really important because foreknowledge knows something's going to happen. Why? Because he's God. There's a difference. He has a foreknowledge. Remember what the Bible says in Revelation. He says he's the alpha and he's what? He's the beginning and he's the end. He knows everything. It's nothing, nothing's new under the sun to him. He knows all things. Why? He's God. And this is why when I talk to some people that sometimes we go through things in our life, right? We go through difficult situations. We don't know why we're going through these difficult situations. But God may be preparing your heart for something that he sees up ahead because he has foreknowledge. He has something you don't have foreknowledge 
Because he's God. He's already been to the end. Do you understand? Predestination means predetermined. In other words, Paul is going to be a believer, but Ronnie's not. Sorry, Ronnie. You know, you do a great job, though. Or Steve's going to be a believer, but James, sorry, must be the hat, bro. Is not. Right? As if God is saying, yes, 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 yes. No. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whomsoever believes upon him shall not perish but have everlasting life. It is for everyone, but he has the foreknowledge of who will make the decision and who will choose. The gospel is for everybody, but some people are going to reject it. Some people reject it. That's the difference between foreknowledge and predestination. See, the set apart, the, these people were set apart by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKadosh. What does this mean? It means that Peter is writing to those who've been sanctified. So if you want a qualifier for the first book of Peter, of who he's actually writing to, it's for those who have been sanctified by the Holy Spirit, set apart. Made holy. This is powerful, right? I need to go back. How, how fast do I need to do that? Eh, there it is. Look at that. That was so fast. Why? According to the foreknowledge of God, Father, set apart by the Ruach for... Oh, we don't like that. Okay, wait a minute. That doesn't feel good, right? For obedience, right? Remember what Paul talked about this morning. For obedience, right? Two mountains, pick one. Life and death. I love it that God does that. Isn't it amazing? He says, look, God, here's the test. Life and death. Oh, by the way, here's the answer. Choose the life. Choose obedience. Why? Because those who've been set apart walk in the obedience. And for the sprinkling with the blood of Yeshua, that's talking about our salvation and the Messiah. May grace and shalom be multiplied to you. So powerful right there. In that verse alone, not only does God have foreknowledge, but he has a foreknowledge of who is going to be set apart by the Holy Spirit. And notice the word holy, kodesh. Obedience. Uh-oh, here we go again. I know I love this word, right? Do I not love the word Kodesh? I do. I love the word Kodesh. Because the Kodesh is what sets us apart as ambassadors. Let me rephrase that. Let me break it down. Being holy is what sets us apart as ambassadors. It's not just that we can go, I love Jesus. That's great. Are you Kodesh? I grew up in the church, and in the church we thought holiness, it was almost like holiness would never be obtained. Could never be obtained. But yet then I read scriptures like what Messiah said. He said, be ye holy even as I am holy. Wait a minute. How are you going to tell me something that's unattainable? Well, it's already been attained through the Holy Spirit. We are Kodesh. You are set apart. When you call upon the name of Yeshua and you change your life and you focus on Him, the Holy Spirit makes you Kodesh. Now, if you're not Kodesh, that wasn't God's fault. That wasn't the Holy Spirit's fault. There may be something in your life that you made a decision, you made a choice, and you decided to walk in a direction that was unbiblical. That doesn't align to Scripture. That's powerful. We're Kodesh. We're set apart. We're separate. You are to be weird. Not for weird's sake. Some of you. Son. We're called to be Kodesh because that's what separates us. That's the defining line. We live differently because we're Kodesh. We are ambassadors because we are Kodesh. Not because the Bible says so. Well, it does. But because the Spirit inside us made it that way. You are to live as Kodesh. And when you live as Kodesh, 
Things don't always work out the way we've been taught. It's not always sunshine and roses. Sometimes it's hand grenades and rocks. Sometimes, man, when you, you, you want to, isn't it funny, right? Well, this is what happens for you. If you're new to Torah, let me explain something to you. When you make the decision, for instance, to do Sabbath, every one of your friends is going to call you and say, hey, dude, we're getting together on Saturday, man. We're going to go fishing. We're going to be doing this, 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 and this. And you're going to like, ah. Or you decide not to eat kosher. Or you decide to eat kosher, not kosher, but uh, clean. You're, you're going to obey the dietary laws and you're, you're going to put bacon away and the pork chops and all that good stuff. And your buddies will invite you over to a fish fry. Right? Shrimp, catfish, right? All that good stuff. Like, right? Like, I used to like that stuff. I don't even have a desire for it anymore. The, the day that you decide to be gentle. Let me really get in your... Can I get in your business for just a moment as a pastor? See, when you begin to live a life of generosity and you say, you know what? God, I'm going to be generous. I'm going to live a Kodesh life. I'm not going to live like these stingy, selfish people in the world. I'm going to be generous. And as soon as that happens, you go out to your mailbox and there's a bill that you weren't expecting. Interesting how every time we step out to walk in obedience, the enemy or the world is waiting for you. That shouldn't stop us. You know what that should do? You should like high five yourself like, good job. Right? Because you're on the right track. See, when you start deciding, like, you're going to love people for real. You're not going to just play it at church or on Sabbath. You're going to love people. It'll be that day, man, that that person that you have odds with will confront you. And you'll have a problem. Or someone will try to offend you. Or you will be offended. Or you go to Dallas because you have to go to Dallas. And you're in that traffic. And they all cutting you off, right? And you're like, mm, you're trying to restrain yourself. You're listening to all the Christian music. You're doing all the right things, right? Now you, yeah, I am up in the business, isn't I? Because that's what happened. When you begin to live Kodesh, don't think everything's going to handle. It's going to like just line up like, oh my gosh. Right? That's the lie of salvation that we get. Oh, just become a Christian and your life will be better. Uh, I did not read that fine print. Because apparently, man, because it did not work for me. When I said yes to the Father, listen to me. When I said yes to the Father, we're walking, we're doing this thing. We got our church thing happening, man. Woo! We're in like Flynn. Uh, by the way, Mike, come here. I want to show you a passage of Scripture in the book of Ephesians. And uh, did you know that you're supposed to be walking the Torah and living? Wait, 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 wait. Stop there for a minute. I didn't sign up for that. I didn't sign up for the Torah stuff. I didn't sign up for the Hebrew stuff. I didn't sign up for the Israel stuff. I didn't sign up for all that. I signed up to be a good Christian, right? Come to church on Sunday, build a big church, do my thing, right? God said, no, 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 no. You signed up to be with me. And I'm going to tell you how to live your life. And I'm going, to follow, I'm going to call you out of darkness into light. I'm going to make you feel uncomfortable. I'm going to make you know my word. Matter of fact, I'm going to put my word inside your heart, Mike, and you're going to hate it because I'm going to cause you to live a way that you've never lived before. And the people who said they love you and they're your buddies and they'll call you up, they'll stop calling. They will not be your friends anymore. They'll call you religious. They'll call you a fanatic. They'll call you a legalist. They'll call you all these things. But don't worry, Mike. They did it to me. They're going to do it to you. See, following Messiah as an ambassador means that you're going to be set apart. And we have to live a life that is set apart. Matthew Henry says this. 
He says, the best of God's servants may, though the hardships of times be dispersed about and forced to leave their native countries. See, even Matthew Henry knew this. That when you become fired up for the Lord, you begin to truly serve Him. Don't think it's strange that people don't hang out with you no more or invite you to places And I think that's what's at stake. We may not be facing the persecution that the people in the uh, letters of Peter did, but we face something else. And this is the fear that we have, that we're ostracized by our family, by our friends. The hobbies and the things that we used to do, the Bible says don't do these things no more. We're to live, step outside of the world. Why? Because you're an ambassador. You don't live here. Church, listen to me this morning. This is not your home. Stop living like this is your home. This is exactly what happened to those Peter is speaking about, but it also happens to Abram. Think about Abram, Abraham. Called by God to leave his home and go into a land that he was not familiar with. You know, can you imagine if Abram said, I don't think so. Kind of like my cousins, kind of like my family, kind of like all this thing, right? But he was so faithful. He said, God, whatever you want, I'll leave it all. I'll leave it all. I asked a question years ago, and, uh, and I thought it was so powerful, man. Cause, and I want you to think about it. I don't want you to answer the question even in your head. Don't even answer it in your head. Try to, like, head shut up for a minute. But I asked myself if I was willing, listen to me for a minute, if I were willing to literally die for the gospel. Now, I know typically in churches, no one's going to ask you to do that. Like, hey, would you really die for me? But Jesus did it over and over and over and over again in Scripture. He said, unless you're willing to pick up your cross and carry it, you can't follow me. He was telling you, unless you're willing to die. Because the cross represented not something good like, oh, I'm a Christian, so we wear our crosses around our neck. And we're like, look at me, guys. Look, look, Christian, got the cross. Got a cross tattooed on my back. Look at me. I'm a Christian. No. See, carrying a cross then is every day that they would walk out of the, 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 the gates of Jerusalem, they would look to their left, and they would see Golgotha, and they would see what the cross meant to them. It meant death. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said, unless, unless a wheat of grain was willing to die, it cannot produce fruit. So we want to produce fruit in our life as followers of Mashiach. But here's the thing. Are you dying? Have you died to yourself? Or is it still your way? Or is it still what you want? If you have time, you'll come to church, right? If it doesn't interfere with your, 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 your schedule. Uh, I'll give when, when, when Pastor Mike gets up here and does a gift on giving. Or a preach on giving and I'll feel bad for a minute. And I'll give for a minute, and then I'll go back to doing whatever. You know, the church, can I, can I, can I trail off for just a second? You know, we did a, uh, some of you were here when this happened, some of you weren't. So if you weren't here, this doesn't apply to you. But we gave, uh, I came and presented an, uh, an opportunity to give in our community, to give to the orphanage in India that we're trying to help support that had burned down. And we have roughly, our average attendance now is running in the 90s, 80s and 90s. Would that be pretty accurate, Scott? So 80s or 90s is the average attendance. And we came up with, it really was $800 is what we came up with. 
but the church had some reserve, and so we 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 it out to try to make it up to two thousand dollars. We shouldn't have to do that. When there is a need, the Bible says in the book of Acts, right? In the book of Acts says when there was a need, they jumped to it. But we're 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 why? Because we're consumed with ourselves, we're consumed with the world and not living for Messiah on both grains, on both on both sides. And what do you mean by both sides? Well, we have we have the Torah community, we have those that are coming that are fired up for Torah, they love the Torah. But they'll come in, right? Now, wait a minute. I'm going to jump on both groups here for a minute. This is in the notes, right? Watch. That they'll come in. They love having a community that they get to be a part of that's Torah-focused. We blow the shofars. We worship. We have Oneg. We got a menorah in the back. Oh, my goodness. The pastor wears a tallit. It's awesome. We love those things. And I do love those things. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Listen to my heart. We love those things, but we don't serve. And we don't give. And when there's a need, we just pop in whenever we want to. We come in, we go out, we bounce around from community to community. And, and, I, and I love that idea to be able to go from fellowship to fellowship to fellowship. And for some people that are called to do that, and I get that. But we're creating something here in Terrell, Texas, that is reaching far beyond the city limits. And it's developing a community, man, that loves Messiah, everything about him. The Word, the Torah. And we get to embrace a like faith with each other. It's amazing. And we do it on Shabbat. But then there's the other side too, guys. All right? I told you I'm going to step on everybody today, praise God. This message is, we're ambassadors. Then you got the other side. And that's the Christians that are converting over, that are trying to figure out whether they should follow Torah or not. And you know the truth, but you look at it and you go, nope, not me. I'll do what I want. I'll do what I want, God. Oh, no, huh? This applies to everybody. As a pastor, the shepherd, sometimes we got sheep, and we got, we got the Katahdin sheep, praise God, and we got the, the Dorper sheep. Now, Dorper sheep are a little bit bigger. But God's not calling us to have Katahdin sheep and Dorper sheep. God is calling us to be sheep. And we got to stop this in our community. There's something that's unhealthy in our community right now. And that we've got these two worlds. And those two worlds have to stop. We've got to come together as believers in Yeshua. Who love His Torah. Love the Word. And are willing to say, you know what? This is what the Word says. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pick the right mountain. I'm going to choose life. Not because it's good for me. Not because it's comfortable. Not because I like it. But because it's commanded to. Well, that's all we have time for today. I want to thank you again for taking time out of your schedule to uh, visit us here at from Sunday to Sabbath. We'll be back tomorrow for part two, so stay tuned wherever you're listening to this at. Uh, we're foreigners and ambassadors. It's important to know that our life here is more meaningful than we think. It's more than just waking up every day, breathing, taking a shower, going to work, and doing all that stuff. There's more. We have a purpose. And until Messiah returns, then our assignment is understanding, number one, that we're foreigners here, and number two, that we are ambassadors declaring to the world, um, be reconciled back to God. If you haven't already, like, share this with your friends, family, and get the word out of Sunday to Sabbath and help discover the life that you were created to live. We'll see you next time.